there's so much bad news coming at us from so many different angles. I wanted to take a step back and focus on some good stuff for a change. Uh, every Tuesday here, we do a strategy session with a panel of experts from different fields in order to discuss how we can help the American people understand what's at stake in the 2020 midterms and also give people ways to stay engaged and to stay motivated because obviously it's pretty hard to do either one of those things at this point. Um, I've heard that some people think that uh, I'm sometimes too hard on the Democrats and that that that's going to undermine them somehow. Um, but listen, nothing could be further from the truth. During the strategy sessions, we don't talk about policy. We focus on how the Democrats can win and what the things they need to do better in order to win. It's constructive criticism. And it comes from a place of love, actually, and support. Uh, it's meant to increase our chances of saving this country from fascism in November. It goes without saying that I think the Biden administration has done a phenomenal job in many ways, especially given the economic, political, and public health disasters it inherited. But I realize that I should probably talk about these things more than I do. So here is a not even close to being exhaustive list of all the good Biden and his administration have done since January 2021. Sorry, 20, yeah, 2021. Um, first of all, unemployment has fallen to 3.6%. That's insane. That's the lowest it's been in decades. He's halted federal executions. He's appointed more federal judges than anybody since Ronald Reagan. He's nominated the first black woman to be on the Supreme Court. He's put the, together the most diverse cabinet in American history. He got us back into the climate accord. He overturned the Trump administration ban on transgender groups. He's strengthened NATO to a degree not seen in decades and essentially rebuilt the Western alliance. He ended the Afghanistan war. He ended the Keystone Pipeline. He's raised the minimum wage for federal workers to $15. He got past the $1.2 trillion infrastructure package and the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. This list could be much longer than this, but you get the idea. Of the many things he'd like to accomplish, like sweeping gun safety laws and build back better, he can't because the Senate is a broken institution. All 50 Republicans and two occasional Democrats will not allow 96% of Democrats in the Senate to overturn the filibuster and do the will of the American people. So we need to make sure the Democrats not only win in November, but win so big that we can overcome these structural deficiencies. Not because the Democrats are the lesser of two evils, not even close. It's because they're the only genuinely pro-American party left in this country. They want to make this country a place worth living for all of us. So our job is to give them a big enough majority so they can finally do what we've elected them to do. So guys, in November, it's democracy or fascism, and it's our choice. We've all had problems with our skin at one point or another, whether it's when we were teenagers or when our kids were teenagers, and that's why I'm really excited to partner with Apostrophe. 
It's a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne, and it connects you with a board-certified dermatologist who will create a personalized treatment plan that's perfectly tailored to your unique skin. All you need to do is fill out Apostrophe's online quiz about your skin goals and your medical history. Then snap a few selfies and your dermatologist will create your custom treatment plan. Apostrophe treats all types of acne, from hormonal acne to facial acne and even chest and back. They treat breakouts from head to toe. It's amazing knowing that your treatment plan was crafted by a real dermatologist and that your plan was tailored just for you. Not to mention how quick it is to submit your visit, all without the need to schedule an appointment. I have a special deal for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash Mary when you use our code Mary. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash Mary and click begin visit. Then use our code Mary at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash Mary and use that code Mary to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And we thank Apostrophe for sponsoring the podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Mary Trump Show. I can barely contain myself. I'm so excited right now uh, because my guest is the brilliant stand-up comedian, writer, firebrand, iconoclast. Um, I mean, I'm running out of adjectives here, but, uh, or actually, I think they're nouns. Um, see, my grammar's all fucked up because I'm so excited. And one of my favorite things about my guest is that she's the person, one person on the planet who came the closest to getting punched in the face by Barbara Walters on The View, Kathy Griffin. Hey. I am so glad to be here. Before we start, I must stand and show you my wardrobe. That is right. If anyone follows us on Twitter, we are a part of a... A group of strong women, we call ourselves the Valkyries. And when I was in the hospital, you ladies got together and got me this gorgeous La Perla robe. And it's very glamorous. And I feel very fancy and taken care of. So it thank fits you, so you perfectly and it suits you perfectly. So, But I will be making an appearance at an in and out with the same robe, videotaping it. And I'll probably have a turban, some jewels, and a long cigarette holder. You know, keeping it real. I love your rant, by the way. Well, you know, usually I I, I get myself really angry during my rants uh, because, again, there's yeah. so much awful stuff going on. But um, we can't lose sight because the media do a really good job of pretending that all the good stuff Biden's doing doesn't exist or doesn't count because of inflation and gas prices, which he has no control over. Um, but, yeah, we do we do. Uh, need to focus on the good stuff and we need to focus on things that are going to keep people motivated. Although quite honestly, I think fear should motivate people. Uh, yes. And by the way, that should be yeah. enough. 
And so I say this to my Buster friends, and I say that because there are Burners and they're Bernie Sanders fans, and there are Busters, and they're the folks who, you know, voted for Jill Stein or Gary Johnson or Bill Weld or whatever. And that's what, who, that's who I, if I could speak to any group, it would be the group of folks that I understand that the administration is not as progressive at this time as they would like or I would like. But I, I am, of course, terrified of anyone thinking they're going to do a protest vote. And I'm hearing the same crap, like Biden and Trump are not that different at this point. And I'm like, what? Where were you? What are you talking about? So this time, I, I think such a big one is we've got to try to get those friends of ours that, you know, the kind of like, well, I don't hate Hillary, but I don't love her. So I didn't right. vote. It's those folks. And I don't know what to do because, as you know, I'm, I'm first of all, I'm so glad to be happy talking to you because um, this is actually the five year anniversary of when I'm going to say your uncle tried to ruin my call life. Donald. <laughs> but wait, oh, here's what I want to ask you. So, all the years that I knew him, which was many before he came after me, and by the way, a lot of people don't know this, but in one season, of The Apprentice, not The Celebrity Apprentice, but the, like, I call it The Civilian Apprentice. <laughs> Donald paid me 50 grand to go to Bedminster and roast him. So it's not like he didn't know what my vibe right. is. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was, and, and by the way, I got to spend the day with Liza yep. Minnelli, because, like, I was the comic and she was the singer in, like, the finale show. And then the Donald was super crazy and almost killed us in a golf cart. But that almost makes him sound fun. It but here's what I'm going to ask you. Well, you can't do it to Liza, for God's sake, Mary. After everything she's been through, can you imagine? That's maybe his worst infraction. I mean, if he takes down Liza, it's over. But um, anyway, I wanted to ask you, because as long as I've known him, I probably met him, gosh, I can't even remember. Seriously, I probably met him in the, maybe even the 90s for sure. Why does he like to be called the Donald? Okay. Because um, this- he'll correct you. He said to me one time, it's the Donald. Hey, that's really embarrassing. Um, it's because it was a mistake. Um, it's because uh, Ivana, his first wife, her English was terrible. And she had a problem with um, indefinite articles uh, and didn't realize that, that proper names weren't preceded by anything. So she mistakenly called him the Donald. And, and it took off. Well, because he probably, you know, thought that that made him special. Uh, well, I think the gossip columnists yeah. like it. Like, you know, Liz Smith and that crowd, right. you know, oh, like yeah. I think they sort Liz of Smith. loved it. That, that's a story I for know. another time. But, um, yeah, that it, it was just a, a mistake. I just always thought it was so crazy. And by the way, you haven't lived until you've seen him say it to Liza. Because Liza, you know, God love her. I mean, she did very well that day, but you know what I'm saying. And so to watch her face when the Donald is like, and she's like, what? What, honey? Like, it's just like, Donald, just let her, fuck. she's Liza, let her call her whatever you want. Exactly. But um, but anyway, I've always thought that was like, like an odd thing, but it makes sense it would be from the Obama Which, days. I, I mean, and fine, whatever. What's embarrassing is that he, he wants to be called that. I'm just. It shouldn't surprise, nothing should surprise us anymore, should it? Nothing should um, anymore. But, yeah, it was actually, it was five years ago. I think the exact date was um, May 30, 2017. And 
here we are now. Like I never, well, cause you didn't hang with him. Like the only times I would see him with any of your relatives is Joan Rivers, my dear departed friend. There's a big picture of her behind me um, in my office, but she's friends with Blaine. Now who is Blaine to Blaine you? Blaine was my uncle Rob's first wife. And who is Blaine and to Donald? His sister-in-law. No. Okay. Cause I know Joan is tight. So Blaine and Ivana kind of married the brothers at around the same time. So, you know, they were, um, Blaine came a little later, but you know, when I was a teenager, they both kind of joined the family. Um, Blaine lasted a little bit longer, but you know, the marriage just ended for the same reason. (laughs) So, uh, um, yeah. Uh, as you can imagine, um, because it's my family, I didn't really have a relationship with either one of them. <laughs> I, I totally would have obviously been the Mary. Like, I clearly would have been the Mary in your family. Although I think pretty much everybody wants to claim that now. Um, but in with some, with some, you know, time behind me now and stuff, five years, I would actually love to kind of get your opinion. Because some of the stuff that they pulled, I still don't really know, like, who signed off on it. But, like... What happened was I took the picture with a photographer who I didn't have any paperwork or anything, and he seemed sort of cool and trendy, and he gave it to TMZ. Well, let's you know, let's and then back for a second and, and give the, oh, sure. the whole context because um, five years, especially given everything we've lived through, is a very long time. And yeah. um, I think it's really important for people to understand what it was that you did and then put that in the context of what followed. Sure. So here's the kicker. I was between gigs at the time and, you know, being a working stiff, I just always think I'm never going to work again. And I'm so at that time, I just, I didn't have a publicist and I had taken photos with this shooter before and I thought his stuff was good. And so we decided to do silly photos. And one of them was at the time I was living next door to Kim Kardashian and Kanye West which I'm not gonna lie, was awesome and never ever boring. Ever. Even when they were out of town, <laughs> it wasn't boring. But you never know when Caitlin's gonna yeah. try to sneak in. All right. So um not a big fan of mine, by the way, Caitlin. All right, so uh so then you know, we decided to do some funny pictures. So I do one spoofing Kim Kardashian, and then of course it's like, okay, let's do something about Trump because you know he's everywhere. And then I, I, I hate to even give her any credit because I had thought about the thing you had said about Megyn Kelly. There was blood coming out of her wherever. Clearly, meaning, I guess, menstrual flow is evil. Um, and sure, which clearly, that's why, witches, that's why we're heretics. All right. So um, then we did one and I had my assistant go get some like, um, just like props. And one of them was a Trump Halloween mask. I put ketchup all over it. I wore a very like high collar sort of prudish dress. I had a very stoic look on my face and there I was holding it. And I just kind of in my head was like, you know, you want to go for the king, you got to, you know, get cut him off the head or whatever. But some people think it was a joke. It may have had a wing to it, but it was a little more of like a statement. I don't know. I just thought it would be like a shocking photo Mm -hmm. because like you're expressing now, at that time, I know you felt it as well, but at that time, I was definitely feeling like people are not reacting to this the way they should. And I've never seen anything like this in my life. And so then I thought he, I thought it was, seriously, I thought they were going to be in like um, Charlie Hebdo, 
or like, you know, Perry right. Match right. or something. <laughs> no, they were on TMZ. Yeah. And then at the time, it wasn't really almost until the Mueller report, I didn't learn how in bed Trump was with David Pecker and Dylan Howard from AMI Media, right. which is this long relationship with the Inquirer. Mm-hmm. And look, I'm a dealister, but even I, like, I don't, I, don't, I never like, called them or gave them a scandal or took money from anything like that. If I was in the inquirer, it's on the worst dress list. But unfortunately that not, stuff is not happening. tonight. Yes, oh God, full of Perla head to toe and not much else, not much else. All right. So then the photo went on TMZ and there's the part where I need help. Cause I think it may, there could have been, I've heard everything from there could have been gamers involved, but that photo was shot around the world and manipulated into Chinese, Russian, different caption. Most of it saying so I was you didn't honest. post it. No, the photographer gave it to TMZ. Oh my god, that part yeah. I didn't realize. I never posted it. No. Oh, so, so uh, yeah. By the way, actually, I shouldn't say that. I actually did repost it the night that Trump wouldn't declare that he lost. It was actually election night at like one in the morning. So I threw it back up. And then, no joke, like it was up there for like four days and nobody even really noticed. And then Margie Green and her crowd got upset and they got me kicked off Twitter for like 12 hours. But anyway, so that's like, what is your theory? I don't think that photo was sent around and manipulated so much without some kind of help. Like, I don't mean to sound paranoid, but there had to be some kind of a Cambridge Analytica type of machine working this angle or something. Yeah, it's, I've never thought about that because, um, my problem with the whole thing is what happened to you uh, after. Um, I mean, it was fast. It was. I got. A, I got fired from my gigs very fast. So I was getting calls from my stand-up right. agent saying they're calling in bomb threats. To I think I had two shows that night in like the Red Bank Theater in New Jersey or something like that. Um, so I was in the middle of a fifty-city tour. And I was 25 shows in and I had 25 left and the entire tour had been canceled due to death threats to the venues within about 48 or 72 hours. Then, of course, I was famously fired from CNN where they just put it on the ticker. Nobody called me, including Anderson or Zucker or any of those guys. And then it was, here's my favorite though. I was the um, face of Squatty Potty. <laughs> of course. You can take a minute because it's probably hard for you to be around a legend like like you've met people but have you ever met the face of a toilet product i doubt it um no i'm i'm and i let me tell you something i was committed like i believed in the squatty potty i was gonna all right so they fired me and then they made a statement which sort of was funny um and then basically it was just i've just been sort of you know damn near toxic. And I was able to do a really cool, successful tour after that. So I could go overseas first, but I was also on the no-fly list and I was on the Interpol list. So I was stopped at every airport and I was stopped at the overseas airports, which is more frightening. Like Singapore was scary because I had a show at eight and I'm sitting there in detention and they separate me from my husband and they take your phone and they take your passport and they never tell you what they're doing. They just, you know, like luckily, obviously, every time at the end, they said, okay. But um, it was a a very treacherous uh, time. And then, you know, all the other stuff, just like stuff coming to the house and people trying to get at me in like weird ways. And it was it was just really wild. And then a lot of folks from that movement very much became Q, Stop the Steal. Like, so I still follow a lot of those crazies because I know them back from when they were going after me for my picture. Right. Yeah. And 
again, what I found the most, and now that you're talking about it, it is, it is kind of disturbing. It's very disturbing how quickly it spread and how serious it became. Um, but not knowing that at the time, I mean, obviously I knew it was a big thing. It was everywhere. But the only lens through which I was looking at it was um, from the perspective of somebody whose First Amendment rights were being <laughs> violated and for somebody who was yeah. being horribly punished for say, saying, like you, you know, the only, you could argue it wasn't funny. You could argue yeah. um, it was too gory. It was too I mean, far, it was so obviously blah, blah, blah. not a real person's head that I'm not even heard about that <laughs> Baron, Baron yes, I heard. I, you know and that's what happens when you go out of your way to show children things they shouldn't have would never have seen otherwise right but you know right and also melanie made a statement melanie <laughs> made a statement questioning my mental health which is really not in question it's very borderline yeah. it's very could go anywhere what, is she, what does she think she's trying to prove but but it's, <laughs> but it's about um what the role of the comedian is in a democracy. And, you yeah. know, I I would argue that the role of comedians is just as important as the role of journalists. And your job is to push the envelope past the point of comfort and see where it takes you. And yes, obviously, sometimes people will be offended. Uh, if you're doing your job right, like that's how you know you do your job right, right? Some some people are going to be offended, and some people are going to get on their high horse. But it's it's sometimes it's simply in the service of being funny, but sometimes it's in the service of speaking truth to power. And the backlash was so you know what is that thing called? It's uh, the Barbara Streisand effect. Yes, you know nobody or very few people would have seen it or thought much yeah. of it. Um, if they I just want to say that's what was kind of the craziest thing is like, I wasn't even like really on TV at the time. And I swear, I thought if these people make like a few of my Instagram followers laugh, then fine. Like I wasn't even trying to get these in like, us weekly or anything. I just was like, Oh, these will be right. fun. It's like a fun way to spend an afternoon. But the, again, the, oh, I'm sorry. I also want to say I do. I agree with you, but also I think, especially in times of strife, but especially political strife, I actually think that our roles can shift a bit. And not every comedian should have to do this or want to do this, and they certainly don't. But I'm just wired that way anyway. And so I very much, you know, of course, my idols are those that did speak truth to power as part of their work, and. Um, you know, I, if you haven't seen the two-part doc on George Carlin on HBO, yeah. it's great. And I, I feel like, just so you know, like I'm obnoxious and everything, like curse all that. I actually really believe in comedy as an art form. Like I, I believe it's like, a, I take it ridiculously mm -hmm. seriously. As much as I'm a spaz and all that, like I believe it's so important. I believe there's, you know, you've got to try a bunch of stuff and I was trying stuff and, you know, I'm, we're comedians are sort of lucky in that you guys seem to give us like a, a margin of error to a degree. And it's the context thing that, that is troubling because that's what's happening at this moment. And one thing is like, I got super duper canceled for doing something that either was offensive or I don't know. I mean, 
I, I'm going to go with offensive because I don't think it was un-American. And yet, I will say, I, I have to say I'm a little precious. Like, I don't want to be lumped in with other people who got canceled for being like, you know, like the chick on Mandalorian who said the Holocaust yeah. didn't happen. Right. Like, that's weird to be on set with somebody like right. that. Like, you don't know what you should talk to. Or, you know, like, obviously the guy's assaulting women. And so that's been, I have to say, it's been a little tough. Like, I've I've tried to avoid being kind of in that same bundle you know and it, it's a completely it is they have nothing to do with each other because you you weren't yeah. expressing okay i again the way i looked at it is i didn't find it offensive at all i mean uh it was so over the top cartoonish was, that like the idea that anyone thought it was like an or the idea that people thought i was making fun of like daniel pearl i mean that's why i apologized which of course was my mistake wow i i that I had Cindy Berger furiously calling me saying, do it, do it, do it, apologize, make a video. And I made this video and it was like so bad. And she goes, do it again. That looked like one take. And I'm like, it's already up. Yeah. I'm sobbing sobbing and my life is ruined. And, but then just, you know, like it just, yeah, it was, it was a very difficult time. But it, it, it was really illustrative of two things. First of all, you know, one thing, and again, comedy doesn't have to be political, um, but good comedians have their finger on the pulse of things. And a lot of people, I think you ch- were channeling something that people were feeling, that there's something really wrong here. Um, yeah, and dangerous. Right. And so there's yeah. that, but then there's also the, that never would have happened in any previous presidency, I don't think. Yeah. First of all, I've done it. I mean, I've performed for Bill Clinton. I made jokes about him at that event. Um, I, I, I mean, I haven't met a couple of presidents, but like I, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And so there's no doubt in my mind. And the funny thing is I've been doing stand-up for so long that it it's like, you guys have to trust me. Like I kind of know what the boundaries are, believe it or not, whether you like it or not, but no, no other president, because every other president knew that it also would kind of make them look like a schmuck. Yeah. And I think, sure, there was our team thinking that Trump looked like a schmuck, but, you know, uh, I guess the thing that freaked me out about it, and it's very much obviously what we're going through now in a much larger sense, is I, I didn't like how many people got scared to stick up for me or advocate for me. And I heard many people in my own industry saying, I don't want to get Kathy Griffin. Like, hey, I love you. You're my friend. I can't afford to get Kathy Griffin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a verb. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, that's a, that's like a very, that's just something that I feel like is happening in our country. We're getting more fearful and the bad people are getting bolder. So obviously, you know, the gun folks, and yet, I got to be honest, I'm very, very worried about pride. Yeah, me too. Uh, I mean, this is the first year I've really been worried because it's like, first of all, I've done a million and all this other stuff, but I'm just scared. Whatever is going on in the mind of the freaking American white male or whatever, it's like go time right now. It is really, I keep the saying, like, do my parents go through these feelings in WW2? They say no. Can you think of anything quite like this in American history? Not in my lifetime, for sure. Um, but in I've heard plenty of people well. say that it's reminiscent of uh, Germany in the early mid '30s, and and I, I don't see how we can draw that conclusion because listen, we have 
But remember how it was so offensive to say that for a while? Sorry? Like, it, people jumped on your throat if you even made that comparison or, or even suggested it. But I think it's inevitable. I mean, it's and, obvious and we, now. We, can, we can't dance around this, you know. Um, no. I, I'm mm. deadly serious when I say it's a choice between uh, democracy and fascism. The Republican Party is and the midterms. What are we going to do in a country that doesn't like to show up for the midterms when they really are is more important maybe than but the general? They are because 2022 will determine what happens in 2024. If we win either the House yeah. or the Senate or both, it's over. And I think that's that's why it's so important to talk about things like like the thing that happened to you in the proper context, that is something yeah. that only happens in a proto-autocratic country where government suddenly is policing language, they're threatening the press, um, and they are pretending to be small government while making sure like they're... Li- you're one friggin' person. Like, what the fuck? Like, what? What? In the- he, and they were also very good about having effective foot yes. soldiers. Like, some of them are cabinet members. Like, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions had to personally sign right. off on whatever yeah. they did. Either it was a no-fly list thing. And I'm just like, even that, I mean, obviously, by the way, like, I thought he was dead when that happened. <laughs> seriously. I was like, he's still alive? But the fact that, like, that happened so recently, but with a character... I would think Jefferson Beauregard Sessions has some clan in his background, as I'm just guessing. Sorry, Jeff. Well, I think look, you've done he couldn't get a judgeship in the 80s because he was too racist. But in yeah. 2016, totally cool. He was back. I mean, some of these people came back. And um, Palin's coming back. We're not done with her yet either. Yeah, Running are. for Congress. But listen, right. I, I think we will be. She's. I, I don't think people in Alaska are going to be fooled. But yes, just the fact that she thinks that she can do that by being a Donald sycophant is disgraceful. Yeah. And and I just really think like, like I never had problems with the, the Bush administration and I made every George W. Bush that everybody else did about how, mm-hmm. you know, all the stuff. And I can't like, there's, I can't even think of one person from that administration. I can't even imagine one person even walking into the Oval and being like, I got, there's this, yeah, I'm going to take care of the picture person. Right, yeah, well, they know? were too busy torturing Iraqis and killing innocent civilians. But yes, they had, they had bigger, bigger things on their, on their minds. It is But they love, I feel like this is what Trump loved to do all day. Like, I actually think he may have been involved in my picture because that's what he loved to do. He wants to call Harvey yeah. Levin. He wants to call, you know, and see where it can get pushed around. He wants to call whatever bros are like, yeah, you should do that by Carl Icahn. Like the whole thing is so crazy. We can't forget how crazy it was because too many of them are still around. And also I get scared that people, like you said, I don't like that people don't think it's enough of a reason to want to keep Trumpism out. And by the way, I'm going to really make enemies because I also, there's another part I call the Joe Roganism Mm -hmm. of America which is also very kind of frightening yeah. to me. And I, I don't have anything against Joe as a comic. I think, you know, I, I kind of knew him like a long time ago, but um, I, I the, like, I don't know what this world is where those fans, and I guess they're like Elon Musk people and stuff, 
they are like obsessed with coming at people. And that's like MAGA. So I really wish that that crowd that thinks they're not MAGA would know a little bit more about MAGA. So maybe they could be like, oh, that's kind of like the stuff we do. But I fear that crowd because I think they're so deeply misogynistic. Yeah, I call them dude bros. And I think uh, they they have no sense of self-awareness. And they're, you know, I I have the great misfortune of of hearing uh, Joe Rogan clips once in a while. And he'll literally say something as if it's, absolutely 100 billion percent true and as he's ranting on and on about it at the end he's like oh it's probably it might not be true oh it's probably not true oh it isn't true but it's still terrible and it's just like what if it was like yeah and then i know it's oh i know and it's so like Look, I'm a Howard Stern fan, and I'm I consider myself to be a feminist. But I draw I draw the line in the following way, which is, I don't think the Stern fans and they're pretty crazy, but they like they want to give Howard crap and they want to call in or whatever. But I can't remember anyone ever saying, "Hey, Kathy, I know because like you go on Stern and he really likes you." Like, you know, all these people though they come after me or whatever. Like, it's there's just it's a thing that seems to be permeating everything. You know, it's obviously in our political discourse, but it's taking over. You know, I do think it's tied. It's all tied into the, the shootings and the maybe the apathy. Um, but I look. I live in Los Angeles. Number one, I can't believe that like a couple of my friends are are openly voting for Rick Caruso, who is a mini Trump, and yet in Los Angeles, I don't know if the the DNCC isn't like giving enough to Karen Bass, but what pisses me off is I know a lot of my Bernie Bernie Sanders fans, and they've done nothing but spend four years going, yeah, listen to black women. But when Karen Bass is up, then they've got a problem with her. But it's also like that crowd is so tough on AOC, yep. and they're bitching about student loan debt, then they should have President Elizabeth Warren. That's, That's the thing, Kathy. They're like, oh, we want a woman, but not that one. And not that one. Well, it's always not that one, unless it's Palin or some, <laughs> some crazy super, you know. Yeah, what's her name in Pennsylvania who got 23% of the Republican vote? I can't even remember her name. Kathy's. Okay, so what do we do about these districts? Because I read on the interweb, so it must be true, that something like no matter what we do, Margie Three Toes is still going to win because there just aren't enough what voters are no, like, but I will say if that's the case. I, I agree. Let's not put 10 million into yeah. that race as much as that blows, please. Let's find the ones where we can, we can really win them. And that's what scares me because boy, the other team is not playing around at all. No, And, and listen, I think I, in terms of the electoral stuff, um, if somebody is in a just district that's so gerrymandered that, yeah. you know, it's, it's, Republican plus 60 or something. Definitely. But we should run candidates everywhere because it will educate people. Maybe, maybe. And maybe plus you and fit candidates. I'm sorry. I'm still interested in that um, Florida, if we ever get any justice there, but how they're running fake candidates. Yeah. And I think they're going to try to run those fake candidates. They literally stole an election. They're getting away with it because, you know, you can't tie the shadow candidate to the actual candidate who, you know, won. Uh, So there's plausible deniability. But I I want to go back for a second because I think you said something that really resonates with me and that I've been saying, this is all of a piece. Um, The attacks on 
individuals who are, you know, whether it's journalists or comedians doing their jobs and, you know, like it or not, that's the point, right? In a democracy yeah. is to challenge yeah. people and to keep people informed or whatever. whatever. And going after, um, and now we it's escalating to the point where we're, they're going after uh, Roe or they've successful, they're going to get rid of Roe. And we see what's happening now with guns. I mean, the whole idea of federalism is out the window because they see an opportunity to nationalize things that in the past they would have said, states' rights, states' rights. So they're all the fucking hypocrites and liars. And now we see the dominoes are going to fall. This is all part of the same agenda, which is why... It's so infuriating when um, the media, which, as you know, was under ceaseless attack from 2017, well, from 2016 to 2021, um, just pretends like everything is just fine and it's all about getting views and stuff. Um, Not to mention the narrative that you couldn't stop them from, which is our institutions are holding. No, they're not. I would say the Supreme Court is now a failed, yes. I think it's our first fa- truly failed institution. Yeah, and you know what, Donald did a really, the, the one service he did, even though, of course, he didn't do it to be of service, was to reveal just how weak so many of our institutions are. I mean, Bill Barr, yeah. almost at, at Sessions, and then Barr, who was actually worse than Sessions, which is really saying yeah. something, you know, almost know. destroyed uh, the Department of Justice. Um, the two yeah. worst secretaries of state in American history, Tillerson and that other horrible person whose name I can't remember, but who's clearly running for president because he lost a lot of weight and grew a beard. Um, thank you. Thank you. Mike Pompas. Uh, he's like he's got yeah. such a stick up his ass and he's so. Maybe like educated, but wants to act like a Jesus. He right. The people. And they came really close to undoing uh the the State Department and, you know, you think about how many people resigned early because of them or quit because of them and the loss of institutional memory. And, um, you know, Americans, generally speaking, don't understand this stuff because when we don't teach civics anymore, two, they're too busy trying not to get killed by COVID or trying to feed their families because they can't work. And I just want to say, by the way, like, I still am a fan of our government. So even though the DOJ and the U.S. Attorney's Office, both two agencies, came after me, I didn't walk away from that thinking, I want to be an authoritarian state now. It's like, sure, it's imperfect, but, you know, I, I have to say it was the, the professionals were like the Secret Service agents who interrogated me under oath because um, they were considering charging me with conspiracy to assassinate the president of the United States. Um you know, they were they were professional. Um, I got the impression that, like, they kind of knew it was BS. But, of course, I wouldn't say that, you know. So I, I am also frustrated with these people that because one thing doesn't go their way, they're going to turn, not even complain about the government. That's fine. That's mm-hmm. all well and good to bitch and moan. But you're going to take up arms. And they're obsessed with thinking I don't know who these government phantoms are, but they think that they're going to straight up take up arms and start going to like Stuart Rhodes's backyard when he's having his Oath Keeper, you know, meeting in Idaho or whatever. And that that level of paranoia is astounding to me because 
as we see, they're buying these firearms. They're videotaping five-year-olds with firearms. All of that. But okay, so here we go. If wherever you grew up, if your mom knew that this the other kid was having your birthday party and it was that AK kid, what would your mom say to you? Like, do you want to go to little Susie's birthday? She's the little girl who has the AK. So funny. Like, I, I'm hesitating because I grew up in in Queens and it would never happen. <laughs> So, right. and by the way, I got to Illinois and it the other happen. thing about, you know, I want to get back to something you said, which is so important. But before that, I just want to make a quick aside. Donald hates guns. He's a Queens kid. He grew up in New York. Guns aren't a thing here. He's never held a gun in his life. So now are you, are you going to question his religious? <laughs> is that what yeah, I know. So, like, it doesn't matter because they're all a bunch of hypocrites. But still, I do find that kind of amusing. No, it's, it's right up there with Dr. Oz. I mean, yeah, it was like, right? but by the way, remember when Obama did the gun ad and we made fun of him because he had to? But still, you could make fun because Obama didn't look natural with the gun. He just didn't. Yeah. Um, and so, but Barack Obama didn't get mad at me. <laughs> you know, I think he was busy. So, yeah, he yeah, successful. Uh, you know. Yeah, it almost seems across the board, like, there, the the ability for folks to take a joke has gone down, but it seems like acceptable hostility is game on. And I don't know what that is. Meaning, why are we almost telling each other like, yeah, go get that person, go attack that group. Our team, I don't feel like, like, okay, I can't stand Magus. I have no desire to physically hurt any of them. I mean, I don't, but they seem consumed with like blood and gore. And my threats were like, I'm going to shoot you in the cunt, take your cunt out. I'm going to put it inside your stomach. You know, like it was always very graphic. It's always rapey and like, it's all about boobs and, you know, and, you know, and then like, I mean, the, the gallows and I watched the, the, the J6 thing live because I knew some of my uh, Nazis that would be there. Um, like there's one guy named Elijah Schaefer who I'm pretty sure is just a Nazi and he was in Pelosi's office, but then he tried to say he was a journalist after. And they just love to say, we want to rape her. We want to gang rape her. We're going to rape AOC. We want to hang Mike Pence. We want to see the blood come out. They were obsessively talking that they thought somehow there was going to be a tribunal where they were going to get Hillary Clinton and kill her that day too. So it's not even like they really want to overthrow the government. It's almost like they want blood and gore. They too. do. And uh, just really quickly, because I do think it's a really important point. You you mentioned the Secret Service uh, guys who were just doing their jobs. And that's what saved us. The administrative state, these lifelong civil servants who understand what their job is and that, you know, they need to be neutral players in, in the process and they can't take sides. They just do their fucking jobs, right? And yeah, yeah. But so I'm not entirely sure how long that will be the case because we saw a huge push at the end there to get rid of as many of those people as possible, either by saying they had to move to the Midwest or. Well, it's like the teachers, teachers or uh, healthcare workers. We are burning through. You know, my sister, my late sister was a teacher and we always treated her like a hero. She was a hero, you know, and healthcare workers. Oh, my God. We went from sending them meals to like they're putting the Bill Gates chip in me and blah, blah, blah. And that that is all 
I don't want to get too discouraged because I do think things can well, turn around, but we do need to keep in mind how fast it stuff went down. Kathy, that that it is so important though to to understand what what we're dealing with. You know, we yeah. we have on one side this not insignificant minority of people who are yeah. so afraid. They're terrified. And the right, the people, the, the people in charge on the right are really good at turning that, uh, that fear into rage. And they yeah. are ready to give everything up for a cause that doesn't even exist. Nobody's coming. Yeah. I mean, I would come for their guns, but nobody's asking me. I don't have it. Me too, nobody but nobody will let me. But no one's going for their guns, and nobody's going for their Bibles and all the stuff they've been saying. You're going to take away our straight kids and turn right. them gay. None of it's ever happened. But how can they not look back on that and go like, oh, like, I remember, like, if you're conservative, don't you go, I remember my mom and dad making a big deal about that. That was nothing. Like, are we back to Tipper Gore and long-haired rock and roll videos? <laughs> or I remember when... Barack Obama was president for eight years and nobody took my guns, you know? <laughs> so, yes. But, but right. rationality right. is out the window. But on the other side, like, we have legitimate reasons. You know, they're all, like, yeah. ridiculous grievance. I mean, their only right. real grievance is that, or their only grievance that is based on something real is, yeah, demographic changes. They're going to be uh, a, in the minority. Oh, well. Um, or majority minority, whatever you are. And by the way, I never saw that one coming either. Like this notion that probably as a globe, but as a country, we'll, we'll be turning slightly browner yeah. over time. Duh. How did, what did, I mean, that's what happens. That's what happens. And we're a new country. We're a melting pot. What's, I have seen no problem with it. It's actually worked quite well. I mean, there's a gazillion interracial marriages and families that are wildly happy and probably don't ever wade into this if they don't have to at all. So it, I just frustrate with the people that are still acting like they have to fear these things that we know they don't but have to fear. Listen, when, this is a huge um, problem for us because even though so much on the right is absurd conspiracy theories and... Um, irrationality and you know we're not trying to take away anything they're the ones who try to take away stuff from us but they understand the importance of the supreme court they understand yeah. like where we're headed demographically and what that means to them symbolic it doesn't mean anything to them in terms of school right? boards city councils right. and the that's the republicans want these people to be as uneducated as possible we see the what's happening right. with the, the critical race theory bullshit. And on our side, people are like, yeah, but, you know, inflation's really high and gas prices are really high. So, yeah. Okay. First of all, remember when Obama was desperate to get inflation below 8% and they said he'd win and then he did? Inflation is under 4%. And unemployment's it's 3.6%. And, you know, and I'm sorry, that's what I meant. Unemployment. That's astounding. I mean, they made the biggest deal about how Obama was like teetering in the 8% range for the longest time. And if he doesn't get, you know, and that's, so that's what I want to talk to you about. Do you feel like, especially with midterms, is what's the expression that the tabletop topics or whatever? The city of like America. Yes. So I am, I'm not sure if 
the Dems are still holding on to that philosophy. And maybe that isn't what people care about anymore. I don't know. I think that is still their philosophy. And the problem with that is this. One, it allows the Republicans accusations against us that we're groomers and pro-pedophilia and, you know, I'm a, I'm a big baby harvester. I, I did know, know that. that I didn't. I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about it or not. I think if you're going to a pizzeria, don't come to the basement. I'm going to be down there with Tom Hanks and Hillary. Especially when there isn't one, because that could be painful. Thank you. Right? So, um, <laughs> I think the, the Democrats' position has often been, oh, you know, I, I don't want to go there. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about their accusations about grooming and. Like, really, if somebody made that accusation against right. me, oh, my God. Yes. And actually, they're making it right. against all of us. So kitchen table right. issues are important, but clearly they're not enough. And I've said this so many times, and I, I'd love to know what you think of how this can shape things, because I think it has so much to do with the experience you've had. I think it has so much to do with the experience that certain um Dem- Democrats running for office have had and Democrats trying to break through have had. The media treat the Biden administration as if it's a normal administration that followed it. And it's also broken down an old cowpoke. I mean, they're almost buying into the sleepy but justice. Not only that, but but and- look what he... Look what he came into. What he's actually accomplishing. And by the way, it's a spectrum. Like, I'm going to be honest. He has far exceeded my expectations. The stuff he's even tried to do and then couldn't because of Mansion and Cinema is freaking impressive because I thought he was going to be like a Chris Coons. I thought, okay, I know, I know. And he's very blue dog. And I thought, well, you know what? That's just who Biden is. It's who he's always been. And obviously there's there's still a part of him because he's so desperate to bring back bipartisanship. And I do agree with him. We do need a two-party system. We just can't talk to this crowd at the moment. Um, yeah, not now, not with this crowd. And, um, you know, I I am frustrated because, like, for example, right now a lot of my friends are going through the student forgiveness thing. They're upset if you forgive 10 grand. They're upset if you forgive none. They're upset if you forgive it all. Um, well, you know, I now know even if he gives – any debt forgiveness, it's going to piss off a bunch of people that said they wanted it. So I do feel like in a way he can't win, but also he doesn't. My thing is we have to stop acting like we really have the Senate because we really don't. It's really, what is, what's the count really? 53 to 49, 52 to 49? 52 to 48, I think. Okay. So in my, my opinion, it's, we almost have to act like those two are just Republicans. I just want to say, while trying to keep Warnock, it's Warnock. I want to say one thing though. That list I read at the beginning of this, none of that yeah. would have happened without Mansion Cinema. So we're still infinitely love, better off. Love it. And it's the love. same thing with the student debt issue. Like, okay, ten thousand dollars is enough for you. What do you think you're going to get under a Republican administration? They'll probably raise your fucking interest rates, guys. I know, but it's like this guy Rick Caruso running in Los Angeles, and the ads are saying he's going to help the homeless. <laughs> That's going to be the guy who's going to kick those tents I mean, he's probably out. Probably by what incarcerating them. He probably loves it. Or deporting yeah. them. Party line. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, so not only is, is what Biden's dealing with. Um, I hate this word so much; it got so overused, but it's true. Unprecedented in terms of just 
the, how bad things were in terms of uh, COVID and the economy, but we're, yeah. we came this close, this close to losing everything yeah. on January 6th. Everything. And it's still happening. Like the coup hasn't stopped. It's still happening. Oh, I know. So that's yeah. the context in which people need to start understanding what's at stake. Hey, you guys want to live. Okay. I, let me ask you. And I, I'm I'm really trying to get you to swear, and I haven't been successful. Oh my gosh! I thought I, I couldn't swear. swear. I'm like my head off. Well, it's your show. You know, I've been kicked off. One time I was on David Letterman. I swore, and I got kicked off for ten but years. Did he swear? No, how can I swear? You no. not swear? You can swear more than I can swear. Anyway, so hopefully your ass will have some. I it's judicious swearing because we have a lot to swear about. Like yeah. it's cruel, I think, to make yeah. people talk about this stuff without being able to swear. So correct. And don't start me on those fucking judges. <laughs> That's right. So imagine what happens if the Democrats lose because Democratic voters are so disaffected because they don't understand what's at stake and they only think that you know, it's inflation and gas prices, which, by the way, media, Biden can't really do anything about. Nobody can. Gas prices in Germany are like $10 a, a, a liter or something. So right. Um, right. imagine what round two of Donald in the off, Oval Office would be. Well, I, I will say I am shocked because I do feel like I know personally a lot of people that kind of were traumatized by the Trump administration but I hear them kind of like bitching a little bit or, you know, just like I said, like kind of complaints about this or that. And that really worries me because I, I yeah, I guess you're right. People don't understand, but that's why I get, I really get frustrated and I get very bitchy and judgy because I'm like, seriously. And I really do try to say to people, what happened to me can really, really happen to you next time. And I know you might think, oh, you're not this like wild comedian, blah, blah, blah. But the, you know, look at what this, that administration, the kind of people they were rounding up and clearly, well, they're for sure going to come for the gays. There's no right. doubt about it. And it's, it's, um, you know, and also in mind, I always try to get women by, by pointing out the misogyny because I feel like that alone is, I would, I feel like race and misogyny are the two biggest driving factors for the today's Republicans. Um, and because there's so many, Guns. and what? Oh, guns. Oh, that's right. God, they freaking love those. Um, that I don't know what it's going to take because I've never seen a party be the party of death. And I don't really even know how you deny that. But I guess they do. I guess th those voters talk themselves into it. But I, you're right. I feel like every single non-MAGA, if nothing else, why can't they just pick just the school shooting and go, okay, that will only get worse, you know? But I don't know what to tell somebody that says, oh, no, that 18-year-old should have had an AR-15. Well, I think anybody who says that isn't worth talking to. That's that's my view. I, really, yeah. I totally it's hard. Agree. Well, wait, can I give you a quick roundup of my lawsuits? Please do. And again, guys, this, okay, is a, this is because an American citizen exercised her First Amendment rights and the guy in the Oval Office decided to take it personally and start a vendetta against a private citizen. That's how, I don't think people understand just 
how serious that is. We see it. And then it really can happen to them because you don't just lose your safety. You lose your, I haven't earned money except for my tour that I promoted myself. But I haven't earned money in five years. That's a shocking and we, thing. And we see what's happening with, with E. Jean, E. Jean Carroll, right? Yeah. So yeah. please do, do tell us what's happening because it is all because of that one and again, you could call it misguided. You could call it unfunny. You could, like, if you want to be critical, like some people may have thought, hey, awesome, great. That's how I'm feeling. But, yeah. you know, some people, offensive, I don't fucking care. You're a comedian. That's your job, right? Um, and, you know, you can't get better at your job unless you are willing to put yourself out there and take those kinds of risks. All of this happened because of that one moment. and. Tell us what, other than the things we've already discussed, what else have you had to deal with? All right. So keep in mind, you know, I'm 61. I've been touring forever and I've been doing TV comedy specials and stuff. I am 61. I know. Can you believe it? Um, And uh, so I have been making fun of, like I said, everybody from heads of state to celebrities. I have never been sued. I mean, over 30 years of doing this. And I mean, I really have been tough on people. And every, every so often I'll hear so-and-so's mad at you or whatever, but nothing, you know, nothing like this. So I, I know it's because of the photos. So the first one was my uh, former ex, next door neighbor, big Trumper, the CEO of KB Homes, Jeffrey T. Mesger. So after the photo, one time, well, one time I, I, my Nest cameras caught it. Um, he would stand in the backyard and be like, you fucking cunt, you bitch, you fucking dyke. Now that Donald Trump's put the heat on you, it's going to be war. He did this multiple times. I gave that tape to the Huffington Post, and then he sued me and my husband for four years for invasion of privacy. Everything was dismissed. Years of litigation. Uh, then the next one was, remember the darlings from Covington Catholic High School? The red kids that went to the yeah. National Mall and harassed Nathan Phillips, a Native American man, and there were also videos where they were um, threatening to rape the girls and saying all that, you know, yes means no, no means anal and stuff. So like everybody else, I went on Twitter and said, who are these? This is despicable, blah, blah, blah. So I was sued in federal court in uh, the Eastern District of Kentucky and state court in Kentucky by a dozen families of Covington Catholic High School. And the federal uh, case, they charged me with cyber terroristic threats and cyber terrorism. Keep in mind, these are civil cases. Those are criminal charges. So, you know, um, I finally got the federal one dismissed. There was even an appeal in the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals. um, And they finally gave up. And then the state case is still going on for some reason. Um, And in that case, the judge, her two sons went to coming to Catholic. So, but even she's dismissed it so far. So those two, then... um, the latest one is another CEO, and this guy almost looks like the other guys because there's like a type. And this guy, you may have seen this video, he was uh, really harassing two, uh, two guys at a prom, and one of the guys was in a dress. I don't know if he's trans or just wearing a dress or, you know, whatever, but two queer kids just enjoying some hotel lobby like their prom. And this guy just keeps stalking them, and it's so weird. He's telling them they look ridiculous and basically gay bashing. So anyway... It came to my attention and I did literally did three tweets about it. So that guy got fired. Um, he sued his own company who fired him and now he's suing me. And um, then you don't worry. He goes on Newsmax. He's tweeting about, about what he did. 
Okay. Yes. Way to stick by your convictions, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> so they're also very litigious, these people. Well, and, they've learned from the best in that regard. No, yeah. really. Like all these January Sixers that want to be sovereign citizens or, or defend themselves pro se, or they're like firing their public defenders because they think Lynn Wood is going to defend them or something. Like, yeah, they these folks really are litigious. And like I said, it's no coincidence that all of a sudden I've got all these lawsuits. None, because... We're not talking about some guy. We're talking about, and I, I have a hard time discussing this because it, it, I continue to be, horrified is not a strong enough word. The, the fact that Donald was in the Oval Office for four years, I, like, it just yeah. breaks my heart that that was allowed to happen. Um, but right. so we're talking about literally the most powerful person on the planet giving permission to be not just full of grievance, but vindictive um, yeah. with uh, this sense of entitlement um, and righteous indignation. So that's why, um, you know, maybe focusing on the experience of one person can help people understand just one of the many things that's at stake because this is what happens to people of color in this country. Uh, this yeah. is what happens to many women in this country, especially women who have the audacity to uh, succeed in areas where men yeah. are used to being the ones who have all of the power. Um, yeah. You know, we're, we see it with uh, the LGBTQ community, specifically uh, trans people, but trans women, black, black trans women. Oh, my God. Trump with um, Stacey Abrams, he cannot let go of her. And by the way, the way he's victimized that poor woman, Ruby Freeman, the woman who was the um, poll worker in, uh, I think, DeKalb County and... Remember, they like threatened her. Some woman showed up with like a suitcase and we'd like you to leave. It was a few days before January yeah. 6th. Like that's, that's, I can't imagine it wasn't tied back to Trump. Like, come on. We're finding out that Ginny Thomas was like calling Trump, you know, at two in the morning and talking about, you know, um, like lizard people. So um, yeah, it, it is amazing to me that people can't just go, no, it was scary enough. That's good. I think so. I, that have, we need to help people like put everything in context. Imagine how bad it's going to get if you know, because the second term would be completely unfettered, totally oh, yeah. divorced from yeah. anything having to do with the quote unquote checks and balances. And by the way, to the Susan Sarandons of the world, I don't think that means like a glorious sort of revolution, renaissance moment. And I get the, the allure of like, what if something happened that was so seismic, we'd finally get it together, but we didn't. We got worse. I mean, look at the way we behave in COVID. It's like- a So seismic, time. like what? I don't know, Jim fucking Crow? I mean, come yeah. on. You know, she's I know. just, I, 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 I said my piece about her. And look like when she pickets outside AOC's office. We don't need that. You know, anybody at this point who says, you, you mentioned this earlier, who says, you know, Biden isn't doing enough, so I'm going to vote for Republicans, it is not a serious person. Um, and yeah. I think one of the things, because, again, uh, a, a lot of people 
really focus on those kitchen table issues, understandably, because the economy, you know, the unemployment's low, but the economy is still struggling, thanks to the previous administration, um, and thanks to what's happening in uh, what Russia is doing to Ukraine, et cetera, et cetera. They're, it's very complicated. People don't understand it's complicated. The media do a horrible job of educating people about the reasons it's complicated. But so in addition to focusing on what it means in the, the grand scheme of things, I do think it is important to help people understand um, why. So, for example, this, this used to happen all the time. Uh or people used to say all the time, which made me so angry. I'm not sure why my head is still attached to my body. Um, that it's because Hillary Clinton was a bad candidate and ran a bad campaign. And I'm like, okay, she beat Bernie Sanders by 4 million votes in the primary and she beat Donald, despite the fact that all the cheating and lying and stealing that were going, she beat him by 3 million votes. But my simple answer to that was, she's a bad candidate compared to whom? The guy who yeah. was going after Gold Star families and making fun of disabled people right. and admitting yeah. to, you know, sexual or like seriously. So it's the same thing. Yeah. You guys are upset about inflation. You know what? If the Republicans would let us pay you a living wage. Yeah. Right. Right. So. But once again, they're going against their interests. I. You know, I, I, I wonder how a Republican woman can read E. Jean Carroll's story. And E. Jean is our very good friend, and she is um, an endless fountain of courage and an inspiration to me and you, I'm yeah. sure. And, you know, the idea that, that, that Trump raped her in Bloomingdale's all those years ago. I think it was Bon Wittell. Like, bon Wittell. Oh, first of all, I, I believe every word of it, by the way. Women don't she lie about this stuff. Uh, nobody wants to be Amber Heard. And don't get me started on that yeah. one, because I actually think she, I I like her and she's my friend, and I'm sorry, but no, I but, think she beat Listen, I didn't, I didn't follow it very much, but whatever you think about what may or may not have happened, the misogyny with which that was oh, covered and, and how she was treated, yeah, that's, that's and, what we're dealing with. Right. And it's been like a day or whatever. So let's see. But in E. Jean's case, I would throw in the ageism as well, which I, I feel played a part in my situation, too. And look at what E. Jean has to do. She's got it. I mean, first of all, she has the dress and we're tr she's trying to get somebody to simply draw his blood so she can get DNA the way they did with Clinton in Monica Lewinsky, although there was a special prosecutor. And we're not even sure if if, you know, he can they can have the authority to do that. Which isn't, like if you're innocent, but, you're like, sure, take my blood, please. Of course. And I just think, I think so many women are pulling for Eugene and we want to see her prevail and also just be a happy, healthy person because of that. But I, I don't, I don't know how any Republican woman, certainly over 40, okay, fine, 50, can be like, nope, he's still my guy. Like, can't you for one second put yourself in her place? Like, really? You've never known that guy. Give me a break, ladies, especially ladies of a certain age. Because it was also a very different time. Right. So there was, there was a time when a lot of us put up with a lot of grand hab, you know, but Eugene was straight out rape. Like, is that's still a crime. Okay. Just because he said it didn't happen. But then going to the rallies and saying she's too ugly. Are you yeah, basically what he was saying is I'm, I'd oh. happily rape somebody, but they'd have to look a well, particular he, way. I mean, it's. 
I can't imagine the last time Trump has had consensual sex. It can't. It's it felt oh, that he did. I mean, there had to. Well, be. You know what? I can't. I can't. I have to be. Uh, there's some things, some places I cannot go at the moment. But okay, um, what I the point is that's one of those things that blows my mind. Like I said, even if you don't like me, you should look at my story and go, "Hey, I don't want that to happen to me or my my mom or my cousin or my." And look at Eugene and go, "Come on, guys, never happened with Listen, any president." What, what, what I believe is that racism and white supremacy are the biggest problem this country has had. It's never been addressed. It's it's we've never addressed it, let alone I mean atoned for it, let alone addressed it, right? So uh but the other thing that is kind of just taken for granted is that this country is so fucking misogynistic as well. And we see that a lot of that misogyny is internalized. Um, more women, a majority of white women voted for Donald in 2016. A larger percentage of white men, women voted for him in 2020. I cannot explain it's, that. And then we have this insane system where because Merrick Garland feels he needs to restore the legitimacy of the DOJ, he has to brick by brick. pretend that, you know, um, anything the person in the Oval Office does is because it's his job, you know, defaming private citizens. Like it's incredible to me. Like you should have had, you should have um, had cause to sue him. The fact that he has the entire DOJ at his disposal to defend himself against perfectly legitimate and again we're not even we're not even talking about the rape because yeah statute of limitations it's a it's a defamation case no he was defaming yeah. a private citizen in the context of her in grave danger which i certainly know about i mean you really unleash the crazies when you give him permission like that and that he knows that that's that's a big part of the deal it's it's him and the, the don jr and all those guys yeah, so we're we're in tough. It's it's tough times, and it, yeah. it it's. I think this is this is something that um, I don't know if it gets discounted or what, but because everybody's like so eager to move on from COVID, and um, you know we don't pay enough attention or we don't let give enough credence to how much we've been suffering how stressed out we are, how isolated we are, how depressed and anxious and all of those other things. And all of it plays in to what's unfolding now. And because um, the media and even politicians seem to have this like really short-term memory or a long-term memory issue, it's like, it's all just because of what's happened in the last month or two. <laughs> this, is, yes. this is not the case. Um, so no. that's why it is so important for people like you to keep talking about your experiences and, and connecting with people um, in a way that helps them understand what is at stake. Because, yes, it, it's about you, but it's also about all of us. Yes, that's what I tried to say from the beginning, like right after this happened, I actually said, you know, I'd love to go and speak to like schools or something because 
I'm jealous of how they're indoctrinating so many young people. They have like kids for Trump and they have like, you know, it's, it's, you know, and no school would have me. They were like, nope, she's too hot, too hot to handle. Too many trigger warnings. And I'm like, no, the gun was pulled on me. What do you mean? I didn't pull the trigger, you know, but I, and I remember talking to the great David Steinberg and, and he was dead. that great comedian of the sixties um, was famously on the Nixon yeah. list. And, um, you know, he said, uh, yeah, in those days, nobody would even admit you're on the list. Like here was the administration saying, you know, game on on her. But the other thing David was saying was that he and Carlin and some others brothers that was different about that time is they were able to escape to the colleges and really be heard and understood. And that's not the case. Believe it or not, colleges are going through a really funky phase right now. The good thing is the kids are much more sensitive and they look out for each other more and stuff. The the other thing is there's a whole thing about like what sort of works and is acceptable for comedy. It's a very safe time for comedy right now. But frankly, I wasn't even going to do stand up. I was like, let me just go talk to some right. young people about my experience, you know, so I, you know me, I'm always ready to tell, tell my war story. Well, listen, please keep doing it um, because you know as well as anybody that if we lose in 2022, uh, Everybody on that list, and there is a list, is going yeah. to start uh, feeling that pain, and it's only going to get worse from there. So we need to keep fighting to help people understand again what is at stake. It's not just it's not just about gas prices and inflation, guys. It's about what no. we want our future to be. It's also daily life as you know it now, yeah. people. So you might think like, oh, I'm not really political or I do other stuff. It's like, you can do all that other stuff. You don't even have to be wildly political, but you have to know your life as you see it, the things you see on the streets every day, it's going to change incredibly rapidly. And I don't think in a way anyone's going to like, except for, I guess, the third mega of the country, whatever. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Um, You're not speaking to me right now. <laughs> oh man, Kathy, I hope you come back. We've got to wrap I love you, of course. This was so, uh, one, I so appreciate that you showed up with your Perla. I mean, my God. It's kind of our room. Yeah. I'm trying to think of it as like, yeah. it could be like a traveling man. I feel very, goes from I feel very good about it, honestly. Um, <laughs> I and I, I'm really grateful that you're on this week, um, you know, because that moment in your career says it, it says so much about what's yeah. been happening what's still happening and what we as americans as individuals and as private citizens as people who want to keep um you know pushing pushing against the forces that would shut us up uh, yeah. So thank you for talking about it. Thank you for emerging. I, I mean, you know, I know it's still, you're still doing the hard yards, but I think that, you you know, you have been triumphant. You have overcome so much. I mean, there's so much we didn't even talk about that <laughs> you have overcome. And no, I think I'm like, I feel like I'm honestly like coming out the other you side. You are. And, and it's, it's been, I mean, I, you know, I've had a very 
small window into that 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 hasn't lasted too long but it's been really gratifying and i'm so grateful to you and i'm really uh i don't know it is like it gives me joy to see you coming out the <laughs> other side and to be there uh to witness it and um thank you so much hey i just want to make you laugh i hope i can go back on the road to a nice you know I will. I will. Well, I love you, Mayor. I love your show. And you are, in fact, doing a service for real. So there's not ever been anybody like you. That's that's true. And you came along just when we needed you. So thank you. And I love you. And thanks to everybody. All right. I love you, Kathy. Stay safe. All right. See you soon. If you're not listening to the Midas Touch podcast, you really need to be. Three brothers, Ben, Brett, and Jordy, started a political movement fighting for democracy and started releasing viral videos that have gotten over 2 billion views. They host a twice-weekly Midas Touch podcast that is a must-listen. Unapologetically pro-democracy and no BS, the Midas Touch podcast has the top politicians and change makers as guests on their show every week. The Midas Touch podcast delves deeply in today's most important social and political issues that are often ignored by the media, and they deliver the news with sincerity, humor, and of course, brotherly love. See why the Midas Touch podcast on the Midas Media Networks is one of the top podcasts in America and the world. Subscribe now to the Midas Touch podcast. That's M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H, wherever podcasts are available. Okay, so uh, that was quite something. Um, we went a little long. Uh, we could have gone longer, honestly. Um, I just, I find everything Kathy Griffin has gone through in the last couple of years absolutely um, representative of, of so much of what we've all been dealing with and what we're, we're facing as a country. I know that that might sound hyperbolic, but I do, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really good microcosm uh, into what happens when you give power to the wrong people and, you know, just don't, don't pay attention to what's, what's happening. Um, like we let so much slide. So I'm, I'm really grateful that she was here tonight and, and mostly that she has emerged, um, from what has been a a harrowing ordeal. Uh, so thank you, Kathy, for being here. Thank all of you for being here. Um, please uh, tune in next Tuesday. It's youtube.com slash Politicon, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific for the Mary Trump Show strategy sessions, where, again, we're going to keep helping people understand what's at stake and figuring out what Democrats, whether elected Democrats or Democratic voters can do to um, basically head off uh, a situation in which the Republicans gain control and 
transform this country into something that would be unrecognizable. It's it's so important. So please tune in for that. And of course, every Thursday we have uh, an interview uh, that's also at youtube.com slash Politicon, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow Politicon on YouTube and also please like the episode and there's a bell um, on the YouTube page right there. Uh, click on that bell and you will be sure to be notified every time a new episode drops. Also, of course, you can listen to the show as a podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please give it a five-star review because it really does help other people find the show. Um, and I know I haven't been able to get to them in a while, but uh, I do I do like hearing from you guys. So if you have a question, you can email me at mary at politicon.com. Also, uh, I haven't gotten to these either because we've, there's been so much going on, but I so appreciate all of your bumper sticker suggestions and I will get to those soon. Um, so, and more than anything, thank you for being here. Uh, I really appreciate your support, uh, both for the show, but also for my phenomenal guests. And I will see you all next Tuesday. Have a wonderful weekend. In the meantime, please stay safe and be kind. Be kind.